Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. When you looked at your listening sheet today or when you heard Daniel announce what I was talking about, you may have wondered how the subject of chaos and thanksgiving can be meshed and come together and be blended or married together. And yet, if you have small children or you have grandchildren, then you realize that on Thanksgiving Day, it can be chaotic to get everybody in the same room and maybe have a prayer and have a feeding to all these different kinds of people. There may be some other things that are going on in your own life that you feel like is chaotic. You might feel like that chaos is surrounding you right now for different reasons. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at a passage in 2 Samuel chapter 23. If you have your Bible, turn there. In a minute, I'll read this passage. We have been studying the life of David, hungry men for Thursdays for seven weeks, and this is one particular text, guys, that we did not touch on. And so I thought it might be good timing as we ended our study in the life of David. We'll pick up on uh, some other things in February. I've got an idea of where we're going on Thursdays with our guys, but I want to give it a little bit more time before I announce that, that I would, I would come to this particular passage and I would talk about this powerful way to look at in different ways, but practically, I, I want us to think about the fact that right now it might be that there's a lot of chaos going on all around. For example, as I think about internationally, there are wars and there are rumors of wars and there are things going on internationally that I have never seen in my life. And when I watch the news, I wish I hadn't watched the news because it can be very challenging and at times discouraging. I, I can't imagine living today and watching the news and what's going on internationally without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowing that God is God and he created all things and he's sovereign and he's powerful and he knows what's going on. He's not wringing his hands. He's not surprised. It still doesn't mean that it can't be chaotic when you see things going on internationally and think, I have never, ever seen anything like that. And then you look at nationally in the U.S., and sometimes, again, I will flip on the news for just a little while and think, I wish I hadn't flipped on the news for a little while because it just seems like it can be chaotic. I look at some of the things that are going on in our college and major uh, public universities, and I shake my head. I just don't get it. I just don't get it how we can be in America at the colleges and upset with what America stands for and give approval to the killing of babies and young families and that we can 
try to celebrate a type of evil. I'm telling you, I've been here long enough for you to know. I I try to be careful about politics, but I'm not careful about speaking the truth and telling the truth. And I'm telling you, it can be chaotic even here in the United States. And sometimes it can be disturbing and we can shake our head. And then on a little lighter note, we can think about some chaos locally. Have any of you in the room been to TJ Maxx yet? Would you just raise your hand? That's what I thought most of us have. I I, I heard so much about TJ Maxx. I said, I got to go. I mean, Jeff, I thought I, I, I am missing something. And so I went and it was chaos. There were folks everywhere. This is no slam to TJ Maxx. I'm grateful they're here as well as some other businesses. But even in our own world, there can be types of chaos that surround us. And so while we're taking a break from our study in Ephesians, we're going to have part one. We've had part one, the first three chapters. We're going to have part two uh, starting the first part of next year, probably start back the second Sunday in February. I thought it would be good for us to look at this particular study where David, mighty warrior, leader of men, was surrounded by chaos. Now, this is a man after God's own heart. This is the king of Israel, King Saul, King David. And yet, he was surrounded by chaos. Sometimes, we can be sold out to the Lord We can be worshiping him in spirit and truth, publicly and corporately. We can be trying to do his will the best we can. And yet, there still can be chaos. In this passage, we're going to find that he was in the stronghold. Chaos, for a working definition, if you're taking notes, is complete disorder and confusion. Stronghold. In case you're taking notes and you need a definition, it is a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. Fortified, protected, set apart, a type of fortress. So David and his men were in the stronghold. And this is what it says in 2 Samuel 23 verse 13, during harvest time, Three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam. Right before that, they're talking about David's mighty men, 30 of those guys, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephraim. So you can see the setting of what's going on. Verse 14, at that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So, verse 16, the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, He poured it out before the Lord. 
Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Verse 17b, search were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. When chaos surrounds you, when chaos surrounds me, there are at least three things we can pull from the text as means of application to know how to work through it. The first thing that we see is this, get away from your normal routine. We all have a normal routine, working, school, But there's times because things can be very stressful and difficult and chaotic that we need a break. We need times away. We need to get away. We need to build into our life a getaway every day when we get along with the Lord. More about that on point number three. But these guys, the battle was raging. David was hidden away for a while. We don't know how long. We don't know all the details of why. We don't know perhaps if they had to go in there because there was a need to go in there to check something out. What we do know is that they too had breaks from their normal routine. If we look at the Ten Commandments, in Exodus 20 verse 11, it says this, For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. God rested. This is God, not man. With all our frailties, with all the challenges that we have as humans, emotionally, spiritually, Physically, psychologically, this is God who tells us in the Ten Commandments that he rested. I like what Tebow said in one of his devotionals recently. He said, rest is a command, but it must must follow work. Work first, rest next. Rest without work is laziness. Work must come before rest because there needs to be a reason to rest. It's not about completing a job before resting because some jobs never end. Work with purpose. Go at it with all your might until your time for rest comes again. See, see, some could use this as an excuse. Well, That could lead to laziness. And the Bible has a lot to say about that as being sin and not right. So we need to have a balanced approach. And then we look at the life of Jesus. And in the Gospels, we find this in Mark 6.31. Jesus said to them, the disciples, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a little while. For the Bible says, for there were many people coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. In other words, they were being bombarded with people. Jesus came to minister to people. The disciples were being taught to minister to people. But even Jesus said to the disciples, it's time to rest and get away so you'll be fruitful. Some folks are workaholics, and they're proud of it. 
They might need to read the Bible and be careful that they're not forfeiting their family, their friends, their church, and other things that are supposed to be a part of life. I have a dear, dear friend that I grew up with, lives in another state. And the thing that I, I am burdened about with him, and I've talked to him about it before, is because he's a workaholic. I admire his work ethic, and that's great. If anybody should have a strong work ethic, it should be Christians. There's a time to work. There's also a time to play. There's a time to relax. There's a time to rest. There's a time to laugh. Laughter is like good medicine. That's why we're coming tonight to hear a man that will make you laugh. And so it's very important for my buddy to understand his life is passing by. And it's going to go fast. He's on the short track. He's in the fourth quarter. What is he going to have to say for it at the end? I worked hard. He provided, sure. But what kind of influence and impact, oh, did he have for the kingdom of God and investing in his family and investing in other people so they could be everything they need to be? And I say that because I love him dearly and I've talked to him about it because he has so much to offer. Life is quick. So, that's good you got a work ethic. That's good you're providing for your family. But as my pastor, friend, mentor, Dr. Ken Alford often said, if there was an 11th commandment, it would be, thou shalt be balanced. Balance is important. Now, the other side of that is laziness. Making excuses for not working. That's not right. And as believers, people are watching us. There's different types of work, too. There's manual labor type of work. There's work of the intellect. There's different types of work that has to do with relationships or protecting people. Authors work when they write a book. I'm amazed at people that, that are, that that's their full-time job. I can't imagine. Teachers work. And thank the Lord they have a little break in the summer. I can't imagine that type of calling. And if they're really fulfilling their call in life, all the work that goes into that in different ways. It's amazing calling. Physicians, nurses. I could go on and on. It is important to do our best but maybe we need to pause as we approach the holidays and some may have a little angst about this week being away from work there's a place and there's a time to get away and enjoy it and some of us are wired where it's hard to relax but we need to try to learn to do that and take time to be with our family be with our friends and schedule time away And don't let anybody make you feel guilty about it. You do what God has called you to do. You do the best you can. And at times, you take a break. And if people give you a hard time, you answer to God. And you do your best. And you don't worry about it. Secondly, When chaos surrounds you, get away from your normal routine. Whatever that means for you and in different ways, whether you're working, taking a vacation, taking a holiday, build in types of break. Number two, that's what David and his men did. Get around some people 
that you know love and support you. Most of the time, these are people you've been in the battle with or that you've known for a long period of time. You can see from the text, these guys, these three, were very close. I mean, they'd been in a foxhole together. How do I know, how do you know from reading this text that they had that kind of friendship where they could really be close? There's two ways. The first one is this. David was just being himself because he said, oh, I wish I had some water from my hometown. Now, you just don't say that to random people. I, 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 I didn't come here my first day and get with the staff or get with some people that I just met and say, man, I just wish I could go to Clinton and go to Ratliff Motor Company and get some of that cold water that I grew up drinking when I'd go visit my grandparents before I moved there. By the way, they're back in the day at Ratliff Motor Company, which was located right by Choctaw Land. They had the coldest water. Some of you shaking your head, you had that water. I don't know. I think, I think now they have, I don't know what that is now. It's not the Ratliff Motor Company. I think they sell prom dresses now in that building. I don't even know if they had that cold water. But I'm telling you, back in the day, oh, you'd get there and you'd have some cold water. Now, I'm feeling more comfortable with you, and I'm, I'm sharing my heart with you. But I'm telling you, when you are with people that you're comfortable with and you're just sitting there talking, you just say things like that. So one way you know these were guys that could just talk, they could be themselves, is because of that. David wasn't trying to get them hurt. They, he had no idea what they were about to do. And this is the second reason you know they're close. They risked their lives for him because they broke through the enemy line to go get that water and bring it back to him. Some scholars say David shouldn't have been so insensitive. My goodness. He's just being himself, talking to these guys. They'd been in the foxhole. They were close, and they loved him so much. They were brothers, and they thought, I'm going to go and do this for this king, for David, for my friend, for my leader. He's risked his life for us and other people. I'm going to be a blessing to him, and that's what they did, and that's what you do when you're close to people. You try to think of ways to bless people and so you know that they were close I took some time recently to just not go really out of state but one of the blessings about being back in my home state is I can go within an hour or two and see some people that I know very well and they know me and so one of them was my college roommate I went and spent some time with Jim and uh, Turcotte, and we went to Greenwood, and he fed me a big piece of pie about this big, <laughs> almost. And we were in the car. We were driving there and driving back because, he, he, you know, I put up, I had to room with him for four years. I endured a lot, you know, being his roommate. Of course, he'd probably say the same. Kelly's down here mumbling something. <laughs> there were times we laughed. There were times we sought counsel. There were times we teared up. And then another day, I went and saw my buddy. He's more like very close during seminary days. Jeff Clark had his berg. And there were times we teared up. There were times we talked. There were times we laughed because I accidentally knocked a, a, a glass of water all over him while we were sitting at the restaurant. 
it was a wonderful moment for me. I think he was a little surprised. You see, and today with the technology we have, there are ways to build into our lives those times with people that you know love you, warts and all, good, bad, and ugly, to help us have balance when chaos is going on. Because there's times it's going to be intense. And so, I love this passage. You think about David and his mighty warriors. They took a break in the stronghold. They shared life together. They were around each other, people that loved and supported them. You think about the disciples. Jesus had the 12, and then he had the three. You think about David, he had the 30, then he had the three. Think about that. We need to be that for other people. Then the third thing that we see that is so amazing, you get along with God in worship. That should be something that we always do no matter what's going on. I like what Dr. Evans said. You can speak honestly with God about anything because you know he loves you like no one else does. David could have easily drank the water, but he didn't. Now, if I had come all that, if, if I had gone through, broke through the intervening lines and risked my life and gotten water and brought it, brought it back to my buddy, my leader, and he poured it off, poured it out and didn't drink it, I think I'd say, what are you doing? I risked my life. Bro, are you crazy? You, you're supposed to. But in that day, it was not uncommon. It was, a, it was a type of worship because he was moved in his heart for what God did through those men. It was, un, it was, it was common. Like Genesis thirty-five fourteen, Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. Then he poured wine over it as an offering to God and anointed the pillar with olive oil. Have you ever been so moved by a very precious gift that somebody gave to you or gift of encouraging words that were so powerful that you really just wanted to worship God because you know the reality is you don't deserve it because you know Practically speaking, they really don't know you, though they encourage you with precious words of encouragement, but, they, but you realize, look, anything good in me only is by the grace of God because I'm a sinner, I'm a wretched person, and it's only by God's grace that he would use me or you or any of us for that. It's a blessing because you realize it is a gift from God. That's what David was doing. It was not unusual. And it should cause us to just love David's life and his example, uh, flaws and all, even more. That he would just picture, I like to picture things in my mind that these guys come back, here's the water. And he just poured it out and he worshiped the Lord. 
when chaos surrounds us. We need to be sure that we spend time with a God that loves us unconditionally. And I want you to know that as a Christian and as a believer, no matter how chaotic it is right now, or it may be in a few days, or in the weeks ahead, remember this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And let's be thankful. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I had a uh, a friend, a pastor friend, send me this this morning, a little text. It says, Carl Barth once said, all sin is simply ingratitude. End of quote. God, we thank you that you paid a price for our sin, and in you we have life. We thank you that we live in a country that we set aside this particular week and days to to give thanks. We thank you, Lord, that as a believer and as a church of Jesus Christ, we have much to be grateful for. God, regardless of how chaotic it might be this week or the weeks ahead, we're grateful that you have us in the palm of your hands. And you have a purpose for our life and a direction to go. May we be faithful as you are always so faithful to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you to stand. Our staff will be here to receive you.